Airplane and airport mode is basically like, where's the recharger? Drunk and in my pajamas. <laughs> I'm in airport mode. <laughs> <laughs> and I bought today's USA Today because fuck it, I'm traveling. <laughs> also, have we talked about this on the show? Why they sell pornography in airports? No. Like, what is the deal with that? Why is like? I've never seen porn. Are you kidding? Like, there's like penthouses and like war in your, your like the airport newsstand and like people. Buy, who is buying? Like spank stuff in an air like you're an airport that is the least private place in the world. Maybe it's well, a um not that that stops people. The same people that I that say there's always people in their pajamas say that everyone poops in the airport bathroom as well. <laughs> so I don't know if there's something well, Okay. Okay, I'm gonna defend those people. <laughs> Five hour flight. <laughs> I would rather somebody poop in the bathroom. Plus, at like 5 a.m., you have to get there. That's like prime pooping time. Yeah. <laughs> Is that 5 a.m.? Is that when all the pilots get off their flights? Like their long overnight flights and they just No, I'm just saying like people who wake up in the morning and are first, are first you know, wake up poopers. Mm-hmm. And if they miss their poop Who time... isn't a wake up pooper, by the way? I don't want to be in a, a 9 a.m. meeting with somebody who is not voided. <laughs> Oh, I think you can tell. <laughs> they're, they're eating all the bran muffins right. from Panera. <laughs> I don't. What did you say? Fill me I up don't, some more coffee, please. What was, what did, okay. <laughs> can we just finish? <laughs> yeah. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Prefer Not To Sometime Cocktail Hour. Uh, always Cocktail Hour. With your hosts, Kate Matthews, Josh Lucas, and our now frequent, because twice as frequent, Hello. in studio is, guest. This is Amanda. Uh, hey Amanda, who yeah, who is not my wife, so that because she doesn't live. Wait, you're not my wife because you don't live here. That's the rule. <laughs> <laughs> you walk in the door, you're a sister wife. <laughs> that poor UPS delivery girl. Was <laughs> discussed in private between myself and the commander in chief in those missing eighteen and a half minutes from the Nixon Oval Office tapes. I am not Kate. And as I recently discovered while on a deep sea dive to the lost city of Atlantis, I'm not Josh. It's not lost. You know where it is. Yeah, but I'm the only one. Well, me and Bob Ballard. Not, not Bob Daladan. Not Bob Billy <laughs> Bob not, Ballard. Not Bob Schneider. Not Bob Schneider. <laughs> or SpongeBob. Not, I'm know. sure if SpongeBob knows SpongeBob where it is. They, they had an episode where yeah, they, they went they to go. the lost city of Atlantis. God, yeah. we're 30 seconds in and you two are talking about SpongeBob. Dude, I got to work this morning and the opposite day episode was on. Or like, Which means it was off. We hate you, Squidward. <laughs> okay, sorry. Dang, keep going. So, uh, in theory, at least on the show, every week Kate and I sample a cocktail, talk a little bit about its history, its story, render some kind of verdict on it, mm-hmm. and then move on to our voyage of cultural discovery, not to Atlantis. But if probably. that's your thing, then you can do that. Right now we're taking a tour through the ranks of unfortunate or ill-advised motion picture sequels. So, Kate, what cocktail are we drinking? And we're... what ill-advised sequel did we watch? We're having Gin Rickies. And we watched the rather unfortunate sequel to Highlander, Highlander 2, colon, The Quickening. Was it a colon? Mm-hmm. It was Highlander 2, colon, The Quickening. Mm-hmm. Yet another colon odyssey. That <laughs> seems to happen a lot in the movies <laughs> we watch. I think we're just attracted to colons naturally. I don't know. I think they show colon odyssey in the back of the adult bookstore. <laughs> Where they keep all the airport porn. Right. Exactly. <laughs> All the used airport porn. <laughs> oh, come on. Also, I don't have... Okay. Uh, but before we hear about those movies and that drink, you do know we have to do the standard disclaimers, Kate. Of course. Uh, so Josh is not a cocktail expert. Standard disclaimer number one. Standard disclaimer number one, Josh is not a cocktail expert. Neither is Kate. As evidenced by the fact that when we were in the grocery store earlier this evening, he suggested that we make drinking a whole bottle of Duplin's Christmas wine a yearly tradition. Yeah, I actually did do that, didn't I? Mm-hmm. Have you ever had that, Amanda? I have not. Oh, wow. Sweet so you know, red. you know, like the Duplin wine industry down in Duplin County, North Carolina? I don't. It's, uh, well, there's some good North Carolina wines, like the, the Muscadine wines and stuff like that. Uh, but every year, one of the wine companies. There's a lighthouse on the bottle, if that clues you into what kind of wine it is. Shitty. Wines, eh, whatever. It's not Boone's Farm, is it? Uh, yeah, I mean, they, they were good wines. There were some very good wines from North Carolina, but uh, this stuff is uh, revolting. It's um, <laughs> It tastes like um, medicine without medicine in it. 
Like, so, imagine they took all the quill out of NyQuil, but kept so, in the gross a- alcohol-y aftertaste. So it's just alcohol sulfites. It's really bad. I don't... It's, and they um, make a Christmas wine every year. Right. Which has Santa on the front, and it's a sweet red holiday Christmas wine. One year, Josh and I... I think we talked about this in the show. Yeah, well, long-time but, listeners of the show will know about the Duplin... <laughs> But the Duplin, uh, yeah. It, I think Clarence I, I, think I compared it to uh, something that flunked out of mouthwash school. Yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. <laughs> it was uh. really, really bad. <laughs> so that's standard disclaimer number one. Neither Kate nor I is a cocktail expert. Mm-hmm. Disclaimer number two. Well, no, this is still a disclaimer number one. God, we're bad at this. Have disclaimer. we done a show before? We're bad at disclaimers. Yeah, that should be the third disclaimer. We're not good at disclaimers. Standard disclaimer number one, we're not a cocktail expert or movie experts. Kate is not a movie expert, as evidenced by the fact that she recently discovered that Robert Altman is not the white guy from Pink Lady and Jeff. (laughs) Second disclaimer of apparently our now eight disclaimers. Alcoholism and addiction are serious problems, not unlike, say, Wilson's disease or porphyria. If you had either of those, you'd be under the care of a physician, and likewise, you can't deal with alcoholism and addiction on your own. Why Wilson's and Porphyria? Well, because they're both metabolic disorders. Oh. One, you can't metabolize uh, copper, and Porphyria, uh, something else. What do you do with Wilson? When you're diagnosed, what do they do to correct that with Wilson's? Well, it depends on uh, how far gone you are. Well, let's say... But there's ways of flushing metal out of your system, and then after that, I think you have to have dialysis or something uh, just to get... I don't know. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Let the people know. Yeah. Tell me about our drink this week. Uh, so this week we're having Gin Rickies. Gin Ricky, you say? You know, every time I hear about Gin Rickies, I think about, like, old-timey baseball because, like, a Branch Ricky. Then I think of Ricky Henderson. And that's all I know. Because those are the only Rickies I know. Ricky Skaggs. Uh, who's another Ricky? Ricky Nelson. Ricky Nelson. Although he would get really angry late in life because he wanted to be Rick. Who wants to be Rick when you can be Ricky? Didn't he die in a plane crash? He did. And left uh, Tracy Nelson and Nelson. Yes, and they had one 90s hit, I think. That's right. So tell us about uh, whatever is not Ricky Nelson's favorite drink. Um, So it might be the gin. It might actually have been. It might have been the Ricky, which is its I want a gin. Me. Ew. Um, All right, so a gin Ricky is two ounces of dry gin, uh, a half ounce of freshly squeezed lime juice, and club soda. You squeeze the lime juice into a Collins glass filled with ice, and you add the gin, and then you fill it with the club soda of your choice to the brim. Okay. Tell me a little bit about the history of this drink. So a Ricky is your booze of choice, club soda, and lime juice. If you're making a fizz, you use lemon juice instead of lime. So if someone says they want a gin fizz versus a gin Ricky, that's what they mean. All of those fall under the broader Collins family of cocktails, and uh, Rickies don't have to be made with gin. They can be made with any kind of booze, much like fizzes. Or Collins's, but the most common are the bourbon ricky and the gin ricky. And we are having the gin ricky, which is explicitly supposed to be served without sweetener. Although many cocktail experts say, fuck that rule, put some sugar in your gin ricky. Yeah, it tastes, uh, it's a little lime, it's just like lime and club soda with gin in it, which yeah. I guess is exactly I like what it. it is. There you go. I'm but you're not a big really sugar fan. It, but I'm not a sugar alcohol fan. Neither am I. I like it. Um, the gin Ricky dates back to the Gilded Age in the summer of 1883 at a bar called Shoemakers. Take us back. Paint us a word picture of that blessed summer of it's 1883. the summer of 1883. Mm-hmm. You Gilded. and Edith Wharton are on a picnic blanket. We're going to travel down to what is now 16, mm-hmm. which is now Pennsylvania Avenue. To visit Henry James. Yes. Mm-hmm. To go to uh, Rum Row, which was a line of bars in, Winst- in Winston-Salem, in Washington, D.C., uh, one of which was Shoemakers, called Shoes by those who loved it the best. Um, it was a total dive. Uh, some people called it cross, uh, called it cobwebs instead of shoes. Um, journalist Raymond Clapper wrote about Shoes saying that there's no more dis- disreputable-looking bar in town. The place was never dusted. Cats crawled over the rubbish. A stale smell of beer greeted customers at the door. The dingy walls so were hung bar. with faded cartoons and yellow newspaper clippings. So now that we've laid that scene, mm. it was also one of the watering holes of uh, the movers, shakers, senators, lobbyists, everybody in D.C. Mm-hmm. Um, 
The name, the Ricky, is named after its supposed inspiration and first taste tester, Colonel, an exclamation, Colonel Joe Ricky. Quotation marks. <laughs> Colonel Joe <laughs> was from Missouri. Hold on. Are you done? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm trying to get the mic closer to you people, so I'm turning it because Colonel, you guys aren't talking into it. Colonel Joe was from Missouri and was uh, a lobbyist in the Washington, D.C. area. He worked in um, Washington from, like, the late 1800s all the way up from, like, probably about 30 years. Colonel Joe was the owner slash who was not the original owner of shoes, but he um, he opened it and or he bought it from the original two people people who were German uh, Confederate soldiers <laughs> mm-hmm. um, in 1883, and his... Go- German Confederate soldiers? They were Germans who fought in the Civil War. Two Germans. There's I mean, if you were picking makers. a side, obviously. They might have been Union. I'm not sure. The point is, I meant to say they were in the Civil War. Um, <laughs> Joe was, a, like I said, he's a lobbyist. He worked on both of Grover Cleveland's campaigns in 1884 and 1892. I like Grover Cleveland. You know that he's one of my favorite He's presidents. your boy, I know. He also uh, campaigned for and worked with the William Jennings Bryan campaign in 1896, which apparently didn't go so well. Well, that was the other wing of the party. Yeah. He's a staunch Democrat. Um, According to legend, such as it is, Colonel Joe asked the bartender to make the drink, and then the bartender named it the Ricky after him. Um, The story then goes that all of the prominent uh, senators and representatives, everybody that was hanging around the bar, the bigwigs, popularized the Ricky from then on out. It is the official cocktail of the city of Washington, D.C. Oh. Um, the original Ricky was actually made with rye, but over time, gin became really popular. And uh, Shoemaker's the bar actually was uh, demolished, and it was reopened. Wow, that would be a tart drink. Rye, club soda, and lime juice. Yeah. That would just be wall-to-wall talk. He, he would come by every day on his way to, I guess, his work, slash he is the host or slash owner of this place. The timelines are a little off on everything I've mm-hmm. read, but he would come for his morning's morning, which was the Ricky. Um, so this is actually something from the Washington Post of that summer yeah, year of um, the convention for that election season in 18, um, 1883, 1884. It says... The convention adjourned along about half past two o'clock this morning, and from that time until long after daybreak, there was great joy everywhere. The favorite joy producers were Rickies of various makes and various degrees of strength. There were gin Rickies and whiskey Rickies and brandy Rickies and every other kind of Ricky known to mortal man. And then, actually, interestingly enough, talking about weird weird uh, diseases. Uh, Colonel Joe committed suicide in 1900 when he drank a mixture of booze and carbolic acid. Oh, that's awful, and an awful way to die, I imagine. So, but that's where the Ricky comes from. Colonel Joe. Ugh. What wow. Do you, what do you think, Josh? Well, give me a taste. Oh. It's not as cold as it was when I first made it. No, but it's actually kind of refreshing. It's like a lemonade. Yeah. Yeah, it's a little less like a lemonade than, say, a Tom Collins is. but. So it is a, it's a very traditional uh, warm weather drink. Yeah. It's in that family, like, with Tom Collins and, and whatnot, right? So what's mm-hmm. you, you explain the difference between a Collins and a Fizz and a Ricky? So a Ricky is uh, booze, carbonated water, club soda, and uh, some kind of citrus. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, it's supposed to be lime. A Fizz is all of that with lemon. And a Collins is sugar and wine, sugar and wine, sugar and any kind of carbonated. They, this is where they all, they all start getting crisscrossy because, you know, if you do this, it becomes a Collins, but if you do that, it turns from a Collins into a highball. And then the, um, so all fizzes and Rickies are Collinses, mm-hmm. but maybe not all Collinses are fizzes or Rickies. Ergo, Socrates is a man. Yeah. All right. <sighs> yeah, I thought it was pretty good. Amanda, what'd you think? I'm enjoying it. It's, um, it's not sweet. Mm-hmm. I don't like sweet, and I don't really like gin that much, mm-hmm. but mm. I like it. Heresy. Well, I had a really bad experience once with um, gin and orange juice. After I already drank screwdrivers, we mm-hmm. ran out of vodka. Were you laid back? Was your I mind was, on your money? Uh, not, I wish. Yeah. That was what happened. But 
Mm-hmm. The next morning we went paint paintballing. Wow, and that is drive, not a hangover cure. The <laughs> drive from Carborough to Garner, mm-hmm. North Carolina. It's one of the worst drives on I-40 of my mm-hmm. life. Wow. So That's only it, about an hour. It's the worst hour of my life. <laughs> it was. Um and that's I have this is actually maybe the first time since then I've had gin. Well, I am um, glad to reacquaint you too. It's a lovely beverage. It, it's, it, it goes with anything but orange juice, apparently. I will not drink it with orange. I haven't had orange juice since. Well, actually, that's the Bronx. The Bronx is orange juice and... And gin? And gin no. and vermouth. Is it? Oh, yeah, with yeah. vermouth in it. Oh, I do yeah. not like vermouth. You're on oh, our page. Well, we on don't either, one. but we still keep drinking it for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> so, Kate, what movie did we watch? We watched uh, Highlander 2, colon, The Quickening. Uh, and why did we watch this movie? Because I said, hey, let's watch that for the show. Usually Josh gets to pick the movies. That's not... I... Okay. And so I said, hey, I think this might be good for the show because it's notoriously... Everything I'd ever heard about Highlander 2 was that it was notoriously... Bad. Bad. Like, just terrible. And such a plot just... The first Highlander, I think, has its fans, but I don't think anyone would say it's a great movie. Right. Um, And so... It has a story that you can follow from beginning to end, roughly. And then Highlander 2 just kind of disregards everything from the first movie, has the same stars, sort of. I'd be okay even if it had disregarded everything from the first movie, if it made sense when it was doing that, which, spoilers it, to folks, uh, it didn't. So uh, explain to us, since you, uh, I think, are, of the three of us, the, the most devoted to Highlander, mm-hmm. the first movie. Explain to us the premise of the, the movies as established in the first movie. Um. A Scottish warrior who's in the 1500s, I believe, um, suffers a, a grievous wound in battle and discovers afterwards that he is a um, he is one of a chosen race of men on Earth that can't die except for having their heads chopped off. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called Highlander because he is a Highlander, not that the group of people are themselves right. Highlanders. Um, and he learns from his friend Sean Connery that at one point there will be a quickening. And all of the immortals will be drawn together for a final battle. And at the end of it all, there can only be one. So And also there's Clancy Brown. Clancy Brown is the villain. He's fabulous. He um, is also uh, a mortal. And, uh, yeah, so that's, that's that. All right. So that leads us into Highlander 2. Now, how many – you had seen Highlander you, – you, you, you're fair to say you are a fan of the first movie. Oh, right? God, yeah. Dude, I, this one time I watched it three times in one weekend. It was amazing. <laughs> it just kept happening. You described that like like a sex act. <laughs> three times in one weekend. <laughs> it was amazing. It was amazing. So, I never felt that stretched out before. Uh, there's also several different versions of this movie I'm given to understand. Of like, two. Yeah. Of, oh, yeah, two. yeah. So uh, as far as I know, we saw the theatrical release of this movie, uh, you know. But I think I saw enough of this to satisfyingly say that there is nothing that you could have done to it to have made it a, a satisfying Any better, movie. yeah. Is that fair to say, Amanda? Well, I liked the special effects. Actually, mm-hmm. you were making fun of the scene that was obviously done with wires where mm-hmm. there's one guy on, like, a hovercraft <laughs> and one guy that's, like... Um, has like an apparatus. The effects vary in quality. I actually really enjoyed that scene mm-hmm. a lot, but it had like the plot was just horrible. I mean, the whole entire plot of the movie is horrible from the very beginning. It's like it was twenty five. You know, it's yeah. like twenty five years later. Okay, so we get that it's twenty five years after the original movie, and then all of a sudden, five hundred years earlier. Yeah, I'm like, it, what, what is happening? It, Amanda immediately is jumping into one of the big problems, which is this movie jumps all over a timeline that. Uh, and planets. And uh, yeah, time and space. Is... And various, there's, my favorite part of the movie, I mm-hmm. have to say, is when um, Sean Connery is jumping to, because they jump in time. Like they, quantum leap style. Yeah, they quantum leap. He, he quantum leaps into a Shakespeare play. Right. He, Sean Connery, who died in the first movie, by the way. Oh, right, yeah. Like, fairly early into the first movie. Well, I mean. Clancy Brown chopped his head off. In the first movie, it's really clear that they had... Sean Connery, like... For a day. For a week, tops. Like, so everything is in the same location. location, Same costume. Same costume. You know, it's a low-budget movie. It's not a high-budget movie, the first movie. So it's clearly had Sean Connery for a week or so. I don't know. But with the $34 million budget... Boom, through the roof. 
They have him all the time, and yet still. He's actually not even in it that much, this movie. He's not. Not only, okay, so he's in it more than is justified by the plot. Yeah. Because he has no purpose in the plot. The plot whatsoever. Whatsoever. Yeah. But I enjoy his scenes. Like, I enjoy the one where he's plopped down in the Shakespeare play. I enjoy the little, the silly scene with him being <laughs> fitted for the suit. I, he's trying, I think. It's enjoible to watch, but outside of the movie, it, it could be like a YouTube clip. Right. Well, even um, in, okay. Yeah, so let's even, back up. Okay. So let's back up. Uh, so... It, we start in at some indeterminate point in the uh, future or 50 years in the future. 2024, right? Right. Okay. So, and this movie was made, the events of the last movie took place mid-80s. Ripped from the future headlines. Yeah. And uh, Steve Highlander, uh, played by uh, Christopher Lambert. Connor McCloud. Christopher Lambert. I don't know how you do that in French. Uh, is watching uh, some Wagner opera. Oh, God. Because, uh, you know, it's the death of the gods. So we've got a thematic parallel there uh, with the opera that they're watching. And that is the most artistic thing, I think, about this movie. No, I think the, the, the battle on the space planet, you know, like the costuming um, on the space planet. Well, there is, really that's good. what I was going to say. When we were picking things to like, there's some interesting looking costumes uh, in this that clearly someone who has skill at costume design uh, and some budget uh, spent some craft on. So. Hey, if you were the costume designer on this movie, you were one of the few Good people. Good for you. Or one of the few people Good who, uh, yeah, who do not deserve to be shamed. Um, so he watches the opera and um, for a long time watches mm-hmm. this opera while he's flashing back to uh, what looks like a movie that we never saw. Space Last Planet. of the Mohicans or something. Right. Like some that. sort of combination of Last of the Mohicans and Dune. Dune. Uh, and Lawrence of Arabia. Uh, where it's like a uh, space planet, desert, and people are fighting. Battle. And they're apparently, f- are they fighting against Michael Ironside? Yes. And they're rebels? And they've been, okay, so Michael, Canadian treasure, uh, Michael Ironside, is some sort of evil person on this planet in space. And this is where all of the uh, Highlanders come from, right? Apparently. Right. Uh, which doesn't explain how they all got names like Connor and Ramirez, but uh, but, you know, whatever. Because I don't think those are space names. I mean, they could. No, they're not. Because there's that one scene where Sean Connery's addressing the masses, saying, "Yes, we will fight." And then one guy goes, "How Ramirez?" It's not even like "How <laughs> Zebutron." Right. And it's then like, he and then he became Ramirez how when he was Blick born Block. on Earth. Right. You know? like, it's like why are they named? So they're fighting on space planet. You know, Ramirez and Juanes and Jane and. <laughs> Steven and all those other traditional space names. Bleep. Uh, right. It's right. It's, it's not like, uh, I'm bleep bloop. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Even more would have been. Right, exactly. <laughs> Anything. Yeah. I am bleep bloop. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> follow me. For generations, my people, the bleep bloop, uh, <laughs> have fought a rebellion. Uh, no, so they're fighting some sort of rebellion against Canadian National Treasure Michael Ironside. They lose, uh, despite having really fantastic costumes and flowing robes and excitement. A lot of budget spent on this uh, battle mm-hmm. that... It looks like an excerpt from a sequel between Highlander and this movie. You know what I'm saying? I, like, I doesn't think it... they shot for months on that? Just <laughs> it really looks like there was a whole they other the movie. Same, yeah. They used the same set for the rest of the movie, so I mean, I'm... they used one set for, for the rest, for the rest of the, of the movie. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it looks like there was a sequel that never happened, as far as I can tell, between uh, the first movie it, that involved this desert planet. So it ha- it turns out that all of our uh, Highlanders are space aliens uh, sent to Earth to battle as punishment. As punishment. So, which right. doesn't doesn't go out of its way to explain it all. Yeah, which still doesn't actually explain uh, what are we laughing at? Chill. Your cat doing something stupid. Um, which doesn't it, they don't go out of their way at all to explain that if Clancy Brown was a Highlander or an right. immortal in the first movie, but he was bad, and they make it pretty cons- obvious that he was always bad. Right. Why was he fighting in the rebellion with all these other good right, Why was he sent to this planet? Immortals. Right. So, like, you know, so how did Clancy Brown get there in the first? Anyway, so that's Anyhow, yeah, problem so we, one. <laughs> it clearly doesn't hold up with the continuity of the first movie, but even taken on its own terms, it's entirely incomprehensible and doesn't make a lot of sense. So, um, let's see. Do, 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 do. So that's how we get the idea that all these immortals and they're, um, 
What is it? Michael like, Ironsides then is like go. chewing a lot of scenery. He eats an eel. Yeah. I felt bad for that eel. I hope they didn't kill any eels to make this movie. <laughs> I believe was my comment at the time. So whoever survives the quickening in the first movie is it's foretold that they will either they can either come back to the space planet and live their alien life again, or they can grow old and die of natural causes on Earth. Right, on Earth, where in the future. So they're exiled to the future, also another planet. Yeah. Okay. So then we get back to the future future planet present of Earth. Uh, it turns out that at a different point in the future, which was the future when the movie came out, but is the past now, and is also the past in the movie, in 1999, Steve Highlander... Connor McCloud. And some scientist buddies... Cured global warming with a big bubble. Mm-hmm. On a shield. Earth. Right. It's a shield, and its name is the shield. The shield. And it turns Earth into a uh, constant night, nighttime. Right. And, yeah. A, Which uh, apparently... Nightmarish hellscape of, uh, for some reason, also Blade Runner-y excess, and everyone is poor in the future. And gross, because there's no sunlight. Right. And it's all run by one company, which is apparently run by an English John C. McGinley. Who is apparently trying so to be? English. I read that he was trying to do a Orson Welles impression. That's how that Orson Welles is ex- not English. Yeah, but he was trying to go really deep and like Orson. I don't. Anywho, it made no sense. Yeah, and again, this the whole premise of like the entire world is run, uh, under a bubble that is run by one company that has basically what all we see in the movie Instead is of, one like, the, facility, the government or right, one facility with John C. McGinley and a dam. And a dam. Right, like Virginia Madsen, who and then there's hope. terrorists led by Virginia Madsen who want to overthrow it, but then like the government cracks down on the terrorists when you would think they would just like well because they find out that what they try to do when they break into the dam you're like mm-hmm. why are they breaking into the dam just to mm-hmm. you know what's wrong with the dam right. um, <laughs> they they bring their scientific tools to the dam <laughs> they do some science on it they do a science and they find out that above the shield. The um, radiation it's is fine. normal. Right. So, hooray, we don't need the shield anymore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that, from there, that happens in, like, the first ten minutes of the movie. Right. Before from, you even know anything about the shield or Virginia Madsen, but whatever. Right. Yeah. And, again, why would the company, you know, you would think there would be a lot more money to be made all around just by saying, hey, you know, we'll pull the shield down for ten minutes a day and let in the wonderful sunlight. Or any if you're an evil corporation, there's lots of other evil things to do besides... You know, deprive the people of their sunlight. I mean, one thing I was thinking about: why don't these people have rickets? <laughs> like that episode or of vitamin the D deficiency. Like that episode of The Simpsons where Burns <laughs> right uh, blotted out the sun, and Homer had the damn rickets. And I was just like, why don't these people have rickets? Like, I don't understand why. Why aren't they all why, like totally is, shriveled up? Why yeah. is there food? No, but why, right. why is there? How plant? is there? How is there food to consume? There's no photosynthesis. If there's going no on. right, if there's no yeah. sunlight coming into, like these are things that you know. Either I guess sounds cool, like a world with no sunlight. Like, how would humanity cope? And it apparently we cope kind of okay. But like, they did not of, even go in, right. Instead of did. addressing those questions, they just go to like the stupid bullshit default bargain basement Blade Runner Escape from New York, right? But with future and like if everything is and like everything is on fire, but you're under a bubble. Like, wouldn't you all just suffocate? And, and also, there's naked how did things everywhere. right? And there's like like <laughs> yeah. on the sidewalk, women with breasts just like on the side they're not why? starving and that, right and that yeah. doesn't have any like that why did the sun make that happen yeah like <laughs> there's rampant like crime and, and like it's all going to hell graffiti but we're still eating right and, and we still have tv um and like these really sort of half-assed robocop wannabe satire yeah. commercials that are terrible Oh, I've forgotten about those. Yeah. So then uh, back in the past in space, or present in space, present in space. It's present in space. Michael, no, no, it is the past in space. Because Michael Ironside has two. Why does he decide that he has to kill Connor McCloud all of a sudden? Because he hates him. It's not really explained beyond that. Right. So Michael Ironside (laughs) decides that he has to kill... uh, Christopher Lambert, for some reason, and he has these two assassins uh, who ride on, as Amanda was discussing, like, hover skateboards, and then one has, like, a really slow bat hang glider that can clearly only go on the wires that were put on the set. Like, it, it's supposed to look like a hang glider, but it only goes for, like, it's, you know, it's like, it's like, um, when you were a kid, did you ever have one of those things, like, that you hung on, like, zip that ran line. on a zip line? Zip, in yeah. the back? Right, yeah. it's like a zip line, but with a hang glider. Now, I still love that scene. I don't, 
And you were saying we were saying this is Batman. Like this is totally right. like there was even the the guy on the horrible apparatus was trying to be penguin. Like right. the way he was it so, was very clearly 1991 speaking, yeah. influenced by the two Tim Burton Batman movies at that point. Mm-hmm. So I loved it. Like, I, I'm a huge Batman fan. I will say it will be one of the things I remember about the movie. <laughs> yeah, but the, I, the whole, like like I said, it could have been like a basically a standalone mm-hmm. clip. And, and they could have edited, or they could have, you know, if you have an effect that is not that convincing, like a guy who is clearly on a zip line, you know, edit around it. Don't, uh, <laughs> Don't do these like <laughs> loving, lingering shots of of him just tracking along this alley, uh, <laughs> on what is clearly a zipline. Um, so uh, these two guys, and then the other one who is on the uh, yeah the Back to the Future two hovers skateboard, uh, come to kill him after being ordered by Michael Ironsides to quote leave for the future immediately. <laughs> <laughs> Immediately. And isn't that what we're all doing right now? We're leaving for the you future. Cannot, you cannot immediately, you cannot any more immediately leave for the future. <laughs> right, well, I'm there. Is like, if they gotta go to the future, it doesn't really matter when they leave. <laughs> like, if I leave in a week, I'm still going to the same place it's in the like future. I can wait until the day before I die and leave for the future. He didn't say, like, go to Earth or whatever. He just said, leave for the future. <laughs> <laughs> so... That happens. Yeah, so the McLeod, sca- skateboarding Rasta porcupine predator-looking guys. Their hair was good. Their costume design, again, was good. Makeup was good. And the set, the one set that they had, had some money put into it. The yeah. sort of uh, half-assed Tim Burton uh, Gotham-looking Gotham yeah. set. So McLeod realizes that there are, like, dudes coming after him. And he runs away. They fight. No, no, no they, yeah, they fight in an They alley. fight, and uh, McLeod, even though he's an old man at this point, like, he uses his environment to chop off one guy's head mm-hmm. with a, was it a train? Yes. Yeah, or was like it a, a car? It was, I think it was a, like, a streetcar A streetcar. One a guy street gets A streetcar named Murder. One kid, one kid, one guy gets his head chopped off, the lightning emerges from his body and revitalizes Right, because also apparently now they're, it was, that was in the first movie, That's right? That's in the first they got, movie. They, they're also, like, lightning vampires. When you kill another immortal, you, like, absorb their power. Right, that is just standard. Um, so he becomes youngish. That's why Oswald became president. Exactly, he became youngish. And, Allegedly, and then uh, used his n- newfound re Christopher Lambertness to kill the other guy. to kill the other guy, and then he comes super vitalized. At this time, Virginia Madsen, who has confronted him earlier about being a sellout, and like. No, I don't think she's ever met him at all. No, she has, because right when he gets all sexy again, that's when they fuck him against the wall in the alley. I think that's the first time they've met. Like, they've talked. He comes out of that bar, that diner. She got into his car, and they drove around, and he's like, you need to leave. And she said she used to admire him as a scientist. So, whatever. When she was, like, three? Because this is 25 years after he was a scientist. Right. So, the point is, he gets young and studly again, as studly as Christopher Lambert right. is. And she... It yeah, plays he's always that, a little doughy. Except for in Greystoke. It plays that swelling, like, Highlander theme, the Who Wants to Live Forever the theme. The Kiss song. You know? <laughs> or not Kiss, like queen. queen. And then they fuck against an alley wall. Like, literally two minutes in the movie after she's met him, they're yeah. alley fucking. Like, really sort of, and it doesn't cut away right away, either. There's, like, there's some serious... Like, he, like, rips off her There's some thrusting, yeah. Yeah. And which made me start thinking, there's another scene after that where she's talking to him, and his apartment is like, oh, who's that? And it's a picture, it's a drawing of his wife from the first movie. Oh, who's that? It's a photo of his girlfriend from the first movie. And so he explains to her, and I'm like, should this dude just go throughout life, like... Banging chicks and making commitments that he knows that he's going to be okay leaving. Wouldn't you? <laughs> like, he's a sexual predator. It's like the problem he's I have. Like, he lives forever. It's the problem I have with vampires. This 500 year old man is going to bang a 20 year old? Like, I, I don't know. What else do you yeah, need to do? Well, okay, so well, 20 movie, is fine, but it's like, actually. yeah, it's. It's not the Angel Buffy problem where you have a 200-year-old guy perving on a high school student. Yeah. <laughs> That's creepy. Uh, Highlander, though, you know, it's, you, can't, can't, you can't be you stuck can to one woman forever. I just she's the love of my life so many times before it loses meaning. Like, well, you've had three love of your What's life. What's he supposed to do? Be celibate for the rest of his life? I don't know. 
And then there's that whole thing. I, Forever? And that just... I, Clearly, Highlanders before him must have thought about this problem. Because you can't have a culture where everybody lives forever and not deal with, uh, you know... See, I got the idea that the space aliens don't live forever. They just live for a really long time. But whenever they get transported to Earth, Oh, so it's like do? a Superman kind of thing. Like, it's a, a Earth's, the Earth's I yellow got. sun makes them immortal. I don't know. I don't know. We're doing the work that the screenwriter should have done. Or maybe it's just that... Uh, the space people won't die unless they get their head chopped there off. There was something about this in the movie where they, uh, I think Ironside said, you can die, you can die on Earth. Only if you get your head chopped off. Only if you get your head chopped off. Yeah, which is from the first movie. Or you can die on Zeist. Zeist, that's the name of the planet. Yeah, oh, right. Zeist. Zeist. <laughs> so I was like, well, which is it? Uh, on, on, yeah. So at a certain we point. We forgot my favorite line from the movie, <laughs> which was when they were when the terrorists were attacking the dam. There's like this series of cameras and there's a security guard. Uh, and one of his little underlings comes to report to him saying, you know, oh, we've got a disturbance over in uh, sector. sector 3A. <laughs> the guard goes, could be fish. <laughs> Fish live in the lake. <laughs> he immediately just disregards everything. He's like chewing some gum. He's like, could be fresh. Fish live in the lake. Fish live in the lake. <laughs> so, it's like he was looking up facts about lakes. <laughs> lakes are wet. Let me pull down my book. Big book of lakes. Hmm, could be fish. Fish live in the lake. <laughs> So meanwhile, after the fight, during the fight, when uh, uh, when uh, Connor Highlander thinks that he's going to die, he uh, goes, "Oh, uh, help! Ramirez. Help! Yeah!" And so that awakens. Um, For some reason, his plaintive cry arouses well, him from the dead. Because it was happening while he was getting lightning from the first or the second guy before he fucked Virginia Madsen, and says something like, "Ramirez, I need you." And, and then, then we that... go off on a wacky side plot of Sean Connery-ness that has nothing to do with nothing. So Sean Connery land, reawakens in uh, Glasgow or Edinburgh, wherever the fuck he died. Someplace in Scotland. And uh, is in the middle of a Shakespeare play, which he hilariously disrupts and then leaves. He's trying, uh, as Amanda will testify, uh, but yeah, they're trying to go for some fish-out-of-water wackiness, uh, I think, to sort of, I don't know. They going for splash. What were they going for? I got a little slapstick there it was when they very were slapstick. when they were doing the suits. Yeah, I'm glad there were no like gay jokes because this this is totally like where in a shitty '80s movie there would have been like, mm, "Aren't you lovely?" <laughs> um, so he yeah he threw eight hundred. Um, so he plops down in the middle of Hamlet and uh, gets in a fight with Hamlet. Um, <laughs> Gets, Which, you know, by the way, ends well for all the characters in the play. He um, he goes to a suit shop and... Um, a suit shop? <laughs> Is that what they're called? A suit shop. And his pearl earring for, like, a brand new fancy wardrobe. And then he hops the plane to come to the United States. Which, I think you mean he, hop, he, he goes to the airplane store <laughs> after he's at the suit shop. Which, how does he know where Christopher Christopher Lambert is? Who well, knows? not only that, like, so they're talking about how he's going to get to America, and he's like, the, the suit people talk about, the suit people go, well, why don't you just fly? And he's like, fly? This is a magnificent notion that I've never considered. It's like, they're on a space planet that has the space power to time travel people through time space to another planet, but he's just like completely fish out of water by the fact that there's oh, your giant metal not birds to, in the sky. Not to mention the fact that his character, like, has by the time the the 1500s rolls around and he meets Christopher Lambert for the first time, he's already like a thousand years old. Yeah, but you know, 800 of that, he's been asleep or dead or dead sleep. So it's kind of like, really? You're so culture. You don't. It, there's a lot of that. What? This is how yeah, people. You know, there's act. very few movies that do a good job of like that time travel or fish out of water thing where they take people and like say, this person. Like, we were talking about time after time, how that movie does a good job of taking someone who is a smart person and t- time traveling them or whatever and <laughs> keeps them from acting like some sort of stupid idiot mm-hmm. and instead says, you know, what would a smart person do? If they were in this sort of situation and trying to figure things out. And it's still a source of funniness 
but it's not funniness because it's a word. Uh, but it's not just this stupid, lame, like fish out of water stuff. And again, Sean Connery is trying, and he is a darling man. And you know, put him in that that tweed, and he's all tweed and hunting outfitted. And you know, I could see other ladies would be into that. But uh, but yeah, it's just. Uh, and then he has sex with a lady on an airplane, right? No, he doesn't. No, doesn't he? He's, he just he's tries chatting to. up the lady. Yeah. She's like sitting there with. She's like giggling, and he's like. Many women I have seen had beautiful black hair, such as yours, including Cleopatra, Joan of Arc. And I'm like, who thinks Joan of Arc is a sex symbol? Also, like, wasn't he dead for all of those? He said Cleopatra. He said one other one. He's dead for Joan of Arc for sure. No, because that was in 14-something. When was the first movie? He, in the 1500s. Oh, whatever. And he names one other person that se- seems like really not a... St- like, people say Cleopatra's like a great beauty, you know, whatever. Helen of... I think, did he say Helen of Troy? He did say Helen he, of That's Troy. who he said. He said, yeah. Helen of Troy, Cleopatra, Joan of Arc. And so yeah. then she goes, hee Also, when were they sent... When in the past did they land when they came from planet Grebnon? <laughs> Grebnon. I don't know. What the fuck... Like, you know, because like, McLeod has only like, been alive land? for like 25 years when he starts in the movie. Right. And he clearly had no awareness of having landed from another no. time planet. No. <sighs> so anyways, he comes to America and then they fight for no reason in his house with swords. And I suppose it's supposed to be like play fighting. But like these are big metal swords that you could accidentally you could accidentally cut somebody's head off. Yeah. Uh, with these swords, which, you know, that's like a thing with these guys. Yeah. Um, so they fight, and it's supposed to be all like, oh, but you, are, but I have learned a lot, and you have learned a lot, and we have learned a lot, and Nanto the master, and you are the student, and I am the master. <laughs> oh, Anakin, like, we've had so many fun times it's together. It's two doughy 50-year-old guys smacking swords at each other really slowly. That's the other thing. These guys fight with these big claymores, and, like, they're slow. That's not, like, exciting sword fighting. It's not like Errol Flynn, ding, 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 ding. It's like, you know, it's like a caber toss, but it's a sword. I got the sense that it was less of the sword and more of the fact that their their combat like um, routine and their choreography was just so lackluster. Yeah. That's like what I got from it. So then for no reason, Michael Ironside decides to A, leave for the future immediately. <laughs> or at some point in the past, in space. In space. Shows up Leave on Earth future. and attacks a subway car. <laughs> For no reason. Gets in a subway car and just like, first of all, there's apparently ways you can make subway cars go really fast. Like 300 miles <laughs> per hour and people go flying through the subway car. It's horrible. They're beating themselves against the side of the subway car. Uh, and he does the first of like a bunch of, and this is another thing that leads me to believe that there's some script elements that were left out because Michael Ironside's character keeps dropping all of these popular culture references yeah. that like he wouldn't know like it's it leads me to believe that there's some scene where it shows him like watching TV on the space planet right. or something but like he goes I guess we're not in Kansas anymore yeah. which by the way makes no sense even with the train it's like especially because uh, Wizard Sean, of Oz didn't have anything to do with trains scenes, Sean Connery has been on earth for like a thousand years like two two thousand years and knows less Less about Earth customs than, than Michael, Michael Ironside, Ironside. right? Like, you know, uh, yeah, you know. I mean, granted, he's from Canada, so they're savvy up there. But <laughs> no, yeah. So he's like, "We're not in Kansas anymore, and I'll prove it by making this train go really fast." He's just like, dude. where they don't, where all the, all the trains dude, are slow yeah, in does. Kansas. He's like, he's like, dude. Oh, yeah, he's like, dude. <laughs> and that's like, is this Bill and Ted's excellent adventure? It was so <laughs> <bad>. <laughs> um. Things come to a head when I guess. So this is we sure that sure doesn't look like Kansas. So then, meanwhile, Cotton uh, McLeod of the Clyde McLeod and and Virginia Madsen of the Clan Virginia Madsen uh, uh, go to visit uh, his old science boss mm-hmm. working at uh, McKinley Co. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we do another flashback to in the past when they captured something went wrong, right? But then they they announced the shield right. They go back to the day. And they say, this scientist mentor says to him, they'll remember this day for a thousand years, the day we protected Earth from the sun. (laughs) (laughs) Which was so close to being a Monty Burns line. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) <laughs> it's like I don't the sun is just, we kind of need the sun it just sounded like one of those really ridiculous things that apparently was supposed to sound cool but just comes out sounding so corny it was like they'll yeah. remember this day for a thousand years the day we protected babies from milk <laughs> as, as, 
I don't understand why did did they say that the sun, the Earth, and the sun's rotation were co- were making them? Closer it was radiating. It was global no, it warming. No, it was right? a, it was a uh, it was really ham. Warming? Yeah, it was a really ham-fisted global warming message. It, if it would have been like that Twilight episode where the woman thinks she's um, burning to death, she has this like daydream where she's burning. Talk to her. She's the Twilight Zone fan. What up? Are yeah. we talking about the original or like the the reboots? original, not okay. the '80s? So okay. she or the other reboot from the 2000s? Oh dear, I don't even know about that. Catherine Heigl killed baby Hitler in that oh episode. Hitler's time machine. Well, she's she's a nanny who realized she's sent back in time to kill baby Hitler so that World War II doesn't happen, and uh, she successfully steals baby Adolf, and then they both jump into a river and drown. And then the maid that was in charge of the baby that's been chasing her just goes up to a gypsy woman and is like, "Hey, let me get your baby." So it's like, oh. What does this have to do with Planet Grubnock in the so past? So what I was Sorry. thinking was, like, so their whole reason for shielding the Earth from the sun right. is global warming. Right. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't it that actually some, make it warmer? Yeah, it would make it, it does. Like, it's the, 99 degrees The greenhouse the effect is, in fact, named after what happens when you create a glass enclosure that, that allows exactly heat in yeah. and it's not does a, not allow well, they, it they, they didn't blow anything out. That's the Oh, Maybe they man. did. I don't know. Yeah, I don't. That's probably the worst possible solution, in fact, yeah. to global warming well, they, is to build a greenhouse and surround the planet that, with it. And, and even in the beginning, in the theater, half the the seats in the orchestra mm-hmm. are covered over with a tarp, and there's like a huge there's bucket, like water dripping right. in, and it, water is dripping into a bucket. So, like, this theater is literally falling apart yeah. like, while they're watching. Watching the, this opera. It's like, wouldn't you spend some money on the opera house rather than the opera? I don't know. Well, they, the, the whole idea is this is everything's falling apart. Yeah. But, again, I just can't get past the why would you build a greenhouse to stop the greenhouse effect. Uh, to protect man from the sun. Well, that is true. So, there's a lot of fighting. They go into the facility to take down the shield, right? Um, well, first of all, Michael Ironside signs up with uh, John C. McGinley because mm-hmm. he goes and kills a guy at their board meeting oh, right. for some reason. And then he's like, hey, you drafted me in the draft. And like, yeah, again, because there's like something that. with the NBA. I'm number or, one draft pick right. now or I don't know. Which I don't. Is there basketball in the future? The point, at some point, they put on all so. their riot gear and go to the Shield uh, damn place. Right. And <laughs> Sean Connery Which, has way, to sacrifice himself. Everything that is not on the one Batman set in this movie is in some sort of shitty concrete industrial park. Like every sci fi movie on Mystery Science mm-hmm. Theater, like Warrior of the Lost World and all those, uh, Soul, Soul Taker, Taker. That, where it's just like some abandoned industrial park that, that they could the, use for the weekend to shoot the movie. That one with the dinosaur slaves. Yes. Is that that's Warrior of the Lost World, isn't it? Is it? I forget. Yeah. Anyhow, really typical shitty concrete industrial park and, and or dam. They get in and... Um, Holding the fish in. He has to... Sean Connery has to sacrifice himself for some reason. Well, they find Stick themselves in a room like a cube. where there's... A, okay, yeah. This is the most... This is... I, I, I cannot explain what happened in this scene. <laughs> they find themselves in a room where there's a fan that is coming down on them, uh, imminent threat style... Mm-hmm. Slowly, though, and Sean Connery gives some sort of rousing speech where it's like, once in your life, if you're a man, you can channel your madness and do something great. Zardoz. And then he stands under the fan and, and he shoots lightning out of his hand and uh, bagpipes play Amazing Grace. Oh, yeah, they do. And the, the power of lightning bagpipes uh, make the fan stop, but also kills Sean Connery. And that is the only thing that he has done to advance the plot in the entire movie, is uh, is stop this fan that, had they not gone into that room, uh, they would have not uh, encountered. Also, so, completely gets rid of the point. Why would you even bring Sean Connery's character back if he's just going to die? Like, Also, like, did he get beheaded by the fan? Because otherwise he's not exploded, dead. exploded, I think. Then he's not dead. <laughs> oh, God. I'm just saying. Don't you have to be beheaded if you're a Highlander to so, die? Yeah. So they go. So they... after the bagpipes, stop the fan. And I'm not exaggerating. It really is. He's like shoots lightning from his hand, and then bagpipes play Amazing like... amazing Grace. And uh, and then the fan stops. And then they take down the shield, right? Uh, then when they go, and he, he says something. The shield. Right. He says something like, it'll take both of you to do this. Oh, right. It's going to take both of you. And meanwhile, his scientist buddy has said that there's a weak spot in the shield, which is apparently. Uh, 
in like the Sierra Nevadas. It looks like they went to Lake Tahoe or something for a day to shoot this. So they crawl through like it's it's like they're driving on a road. First of all, they're driving on like some shitty road in in uh, in Los Angeles that where they shoot all these scenes where there's car chases because it's like that standard road through the canyon where mm-hmm. they're just uh, you know uh, and two he's fighting Michael Ironsides on top of a truck. Oh right, right. Uh, and then they, that's how we kill Michael Ironsides, right? Is with the truck. I think so. I don't even remember him dying. That's how it not get in... chopped off on the train. Or am I making that up? <laughs> like, doesn't he like not get down in the tunnel? Like the train is going, yeah, going, that's going, it. and then McLeod ducks because they're going into a tunnel, and Ironsides right, and then is he's just like... right. He sucks up m- m- his energy, and then uh, he goes to the shield and zaps the shield with his magical powers after he goes through the hole in the shield, right? I guess so. <sighs> okay, Wikipedia is going to tell me what the fuck happened because I remember a series of scenes. Uh, according to McLeod, it says. Uh, and again, even I mean, according to even Wikipedia is alighting the entire end of this movie. It's just like the conflict eventually leads to the deaths of these characters. <laughs> um, so yeah, he kills he kills uh, Michael Ironsides in the in the in the shield plant, and then uh, they go to the hole in the in the shield, and they go up into the mountains, and, uh, and then they look at the stars, and that's it, right? mm Hmm. Although I'm given to understand there's several different endings where either they both, uh, he and Virginia Madsen zap up into space and go to space planet. They, the shield comes down. Down, right. Uh, but this, the ending that we had just had them walking away and being in love or something. And, and then... it was really like one of those ones where you're like, oh, what? That's it? It ended? Yeah. And not in the way, like, wow, I wish there was more of this movie. You're just like, what the fuck? But it, then, like, I the... guess that sequence of events is now over. And then Queen, the Queen song starts playing again. Yeah. Oh, wow. So was this the Stuart Copeland? Oh, yeah. Did... Okay. Of, of Police? Of the Police. Yes. yes. Yeah. He does a lot of music, movie music. Yeah, that's another thing to point out in addition. Although, I don't know how much of the Stuart Copeland music there was, because he did so much of the Queen they stuff. They used the swelling, From like, the original movie. Refrain yeah. from the... Who we also had Michael forever. Kamen music, apparently, who is not, uh, who's not bad. Uh, well, that's the only Queen song that they referenced in the second movie, because there's a whole soundtrack in the first movie. They, they do a cover of New York, New York. They do the Princes of the Universe song. Oh, Here we are. Oh, right. There's also a love theme from Highlander. Oh, yeah. we forgot to mention that that we mentioned we in a flashback we oh, had to God. visit his irradiated girlfriend from the first movie. Oh right, his girlfriend from the first yeah. movie, who is the plucky policewoman slash author slash swords expert, has now been irradiated in in, this, in such movie makeup in such a way that they She's don't have to hire they don't have to hire the same actress that they hired before. And it shows. So she dies. He's really sad about it. And then he, I guess, uses that to make a shield for Sun? I don't know. It's... Okay, this movie opened at number three. Wow. Yeah, but November. So that's like dead season. So if you're opening at number three in November. It's like ten people went to yeah, go see it. Yeah, that's nothing. Yeah. yeah. Um, although five million in its opening weekend. You know what? That is just proof that nerds will go pay money to see yeah. any stupid and you Boy. know there's people who defend this movie it grossed even... three much as times as times as the original no uh, nearly three yeah. times as much as the but original. the original budget was like three million dollars the original was an el cheapo movie this movie cost 35 million right. bucks to make the return on investment in this movie was, was really jack yeah. so kate yes if this motion picture were a cocktail what would it be well josh it's like that beer that you have at the back of the fridge <laughs> just... now you're just done <laughs> All right, I'm sorry. So, um, to me, it's like you're trying to go and you're going to make a gin and tonic because you had one the night before and it was really good. <laughs> you're perilously you're close to the same ground you tread. And then when you go back to make it again, you just put like, you take like some whiskey and mix it with vermouth and like a raw egg. And you're like, this is a gin and tonic, right? Right. And then you, and then you drink and you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> it has three ingredients, just like a gin and tonic. And the most <laughs> important thing is that number three. So that's that's what it is to me. <laughs> well, to me, I think it's like, um, so as usual, my drink metaphor starts with the fact that there are no other drinks in the house. Uh, Who's going back to the well now, Josh? And you see that bottle of uh, vanilla extract oh, on your spice rack, right? <laughs> and you think, well, you know, I don't really like vanilla extract that much. But the last time that I didn't have any booze in the house, 
and I had to drink the vanilla extract. It was okay, I drank the vanilla extract. So you go and you drink the vanilla extract, and unbeknownst to you, your roommate, who knows that you're going to have to do this at some point, <laughs> has filled the vanilla extract up with piss. <laughs> So you don't even get the vanilla egg. And that is how, you know, the first movie is like, oh, whatever. Okay, it's vanilla extract. This one, I went in thinking I was going to even just get the fucking vanilla extract. And I got piss in a vanilla extract bottle. <laughs> it's the shitty roommate you live with. <laughs> yes, it is. Isn't it, Kate? Um, <laughs> Any final thoughts, Amanda? Besides you like the guy on the hang glider. Yeah. <laughs> Besides I mean, that. I liked scenes in this movie. I did not enjoy the storytelling. I liked... I, let me tell you, there are a f- this is not a movie that is utterly without craft. So there are certain people, like the people who made the set, uh, the one good set, uh, and the costume designers. That robe that Virginia Madsen right. is wearing after they have the, sex. Right, oh the costume God. designers. There's uh, So there is some craft involved. Mm-hmm. However, uh, in terms of mise-en-scene, in terms of script writing, in terms of uh, actual storytelling, there is not much there. Yeah. All right. Whew. What are we going to watch next week? I think we suggested what? Uh, the Sting 2? The Sting 2. I yeah. really want to get Have you seen the, sting, the first Sting? I have not. Oh, we're going to have to watch that before oh, I we watch we'll that. I guess we'll watch that and then watch The Sting 2. <clears throat> Sorry, Jackie Gleason. And Terry Garr, who you know I love mm-hmm. deeply. And who's had a rough couple of years and you know, she had a stroke. Yeah, I knew that. Josh wishes that we were David Letterman. I do. I do. I wish we were Dave and Terry because the, their their dynamic on those uh, late nights back in the eighties is just the cutest thing ever. <sighs> but we'll never be that cute. Well, me, I won't be. Fuck you! I'm amazing. I know. Hey, it's Christmas. Christmas. Yeah, we heard that uh, uh, Gloria Stefan when we got in the car. That was not my best way to start Christmas out for the day. No, no. Well, when I when I started my Christmas for the day, it was a Sarah McLaughlin cover of uh, "Happy Christmas War Is Over." Oh my god! And uh, could that woman be more tedious? <laughs> and uh, so that was fun for me. Um, Happy Christmas. So, Don't kill puppies. <laughs> so, you know, when they get to the chorus and they said, you know, um, so this is Christmas, blah, 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 blah. Right. War is over if you yeah, want. War is over. And they get to the part where it's like, a very Merry Christmas. Right. She, for whatever reason, her range is so off. Like, she's flat. And that song is auto-tuned to hell. How do you? How are you flat? Is this a, when it's I've never auto-tuned? heard her do this. Is this like a recent recording? I don't, it's, I don't know. It's probably from you know every a star very releases Christmas a Christmas nine. album. Like yeah, at, at some point in their careers. Poor beaten, poor Keith Haring into the ground. Yeah. So anyway, oh yeah, and then there's kids in the background, but it's creepier than the kids. And the happy. Well, I'll play it for you after this. Show. You're gonna try and like Christmas this year, though, right? Yeah, I'm trying. Yeah, because you're not working retail. Yeah. What do you, do you do? You like Christmas? It's. I don't. You tend to be it. curmudgeonly. I've already. Yeah. I've I mean, already... I don't decorate. Mm-hmm. I don't go out of my way to acknowledge that it's Christmas <laughs> or that other people are are celebrating. <laughs> in I any way. Um, I like how you make that sound like a compromise. I don't acknowledge it. <laughs> I don't acknowledge it at all. I do enjoy. You're talking about Christmas the way someone would talk about their gay son <laughs> getting married. <laughs> right, right. I don't acknowledge his I relationship love, with I Steve. I love you. I don't love your holiday choices. I don't like, I just think that maybe you should. Have you ever considered not celebrating Christmas? (laughs) I just, you know, I wish people happy holidays out of spite. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Just because you know it offends some people. I do that too. I do that too. Because I, I, ordinarily I would wish Merry Christmas, but if I think somebody would be offended by happy holidays, I will go straight for the happy holidays. Oh God, no. When I was working in retail and we were supposed to start telling people, Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas, I would say, happy holidays. Yeah. Just as a like middle finger to my boss. Like, Uh, I, I don't. I do enjoy everything being cheaper because they, you know, they want to... to Imagine, yeah. she just, cause yeah. just keeps getting better and better. I don't enjoy, like, the... I work in downtown Burlington, so mm-hmm. I have to go through downtown Graham oh, to get home. And right before Thanksgiving, like Thanksgiving mm-hmm. week, they put up all the Christmas decorations. And Graham is already kind of shitty, depressing small town. It's shitty, horrible <laughs> shitty. And you're, you're, so, so you're sorry to all our listeners in Graham. <laughs> so you're, you're driving through. It sucks down, to be you. You're driving down through the four stoplights in downtown Graham, and there's like all this holiday garland on 
stars on the lampposts. Wait, why do you go through town? Don't you just take 54? 54 goes straight through downtown Grant. That's downtown? That's what I consider downtown. (laughs) The the courthouse is to your right. (laughs) Damn, Amanda's that is downtown, okay? Such it as is it is. It is Main Street. <laughs> Graham is, is really just a Waffle House and an exit ramp to me. <laughs> that is part of Graham. That I love that gas station there. Um, oh, yeah, that gas station. Yeah, the, the Waffle House yeah. where you get off 40 onto 54. Yeah, the shell yeah. right there. Yep, that's, that's pretty much the, the sh- Yeah, it's a, tr- it's a truck stop shell, right? It's, yeah. it's a, yeah. it's a um, cigarette store oh, show. And right. today, as I was going by, every I mean, it was backed up into the street trying to mm-hmm. get into that show. Well, Christmas cigarettes. Yes. War is over if you want it. Discount cigarettes. Yes, but I don't go out of my way to decorate or anything like I've that. I've already heard last Christmas three times this holiday season, so you guys I'm are good. Just, I, don't I love Christmas. I love it, I love it, I love it, I love it. You I guys are not going to drag me down. I don't listen I, to Have radios. I before? That's true, you don't. I've come in, like, hating the world for it's a solid true. month, and you were still like, Twistmas! I love Kermit it, man. Flailing. I love He's Christmas. Kermit flailing right now. I do watch the um, the Muppets uh, Christmas... Um, the, the Muppet Christmas, Christmas Carol, Christmas with, the, Carol. Uh, with Michael Caine. And I love that one. I watched mm-hmm. that one. I watched Scrooged, because mm-hmm. I love Bill Murray, sure. and I He's love that movie. Nightmare Before Christmas. I love Nightmare Before Christmas, because I love Tim Burton. And Horror I lo- movies. What? I love those movies, but to me, they don't have anything mm-hmm. to do with Christmas. I love Christmas more than any atheist you will ever meet. I love, I Is Mick love Foley Christmas an atheist? to death. I don't think so. Okay. I think Mick Foley will believe whatever you know, you believe. I know a few Jewish people who love Christmas mm-hmm. so much. I, love, I think I love Christmas like gay I people love Halloween. Like I for think, the camp effect and just the whole celebration I think, experience I think of it. You're reacting to other people's joy, though. It has to be some sort of. But everybody around me hates Christmas. No, I mean like just the the. the I don't, This country loves Christmas, so I think you're. you're I don't hate it, Josh. But see, I, think, I just don't. I think this country loves to bitch about Christmas. All I hear is people bitching about Christmas. I don't. You know, oh, I hate the shopping and I hate the lights and no, I hate the this, that, and the other. I disagree. I think that every single commercial we've seen since Halloween. Has yeah. been about how we should get ready for Christmas. It's a marshmallow world in the winter. Elf on the shelf. Yes. Yeah, well, everybody hates Elf on the shelf. Not everybody, because people still buy the motherfucker. Yeah, fuck you, Elf on the shelf. Yeah, fuck you. Bring it, bring it, Elf on the shelf. Okay, <laughs> yeah, thanks everybody who listens, tweet, tweeting at us and yeah. writing at us. I know we have at least one Christmas card in the way. Yeah, we do. Yeah, feel what free. Up, to, feel free to uh, send us a Christmas card. We'll be uh, delight or holiday card or Kwanzaa card because in Josh's book there cannot be too many holidays. Uh, you well. can reach us at, at PNTCast on the Twitter. We have Our email address is pntcast at gmail.com. Gmail.com. Website is prefernotto.com. We're also on Facebook and Tumblr if you search for us. Tumblr is the pntcast.tumblr.com. You'll find all of Kate's um, complaints about uh, being a, a trans-ethnic furry in mm-hmm. uh, modern oppressive America and mm-hmm. on our Tumblr. It really doesn't have anything to do with the show. It's just all about uh, social justice. And uh, racism. Who else can we offend? Um, I'm going to say, like, on my weekends, I'm actually a cupcake. Right. Well, I mean, you're always a cupcake. It's just our to... anti-cupcake society makes you suppress it during Josh, the week. I wanted to ask you, did my um, breast binder come in the mail from UPS today? or? I don't know. Oh, okay. You know, when people talk about binders, I just think about, like, a trapper keeper. Yeah, me too. We <laughs> <laughs> go. Three okay. ringed. <laughs> Three ringed. <laughs> it's like, you know, I don't, if you have. Is it a half inch or one inch? If you have inch? some body dysphoria, <laughs> that's fine. But I really don't think those metal claws are going to help. <laughs> uh, so, as always, we're going to end the show with a little uh, would you rather between Kate and me. Manny, you're welcome to chip in. Do you want to go first or you want me to you wanna go first? I'll go first because mine are always worse than yours. <laughs> Josh, would you rather travel everywhere by Popemobile mm-hmm. or Bat Car? And the Bat Car has to be the Bat Car from Tim Burton's Batman movie. Well, these are both good choices, though. Yeah, but which one? Everywhere. So I can't like take a plane and then have my Popemobile waiting for me. Well, if you had to like go across to like if you're flying to Europe, you can take. Um... Okay, so I don't have to traverse the oceans blue. <laughs> In my vehicle choice. You would have to fly in a plane that looked like the Popemobile or the Batmobile. Oh, then definitely Popemobile. Popemobile, okay. Um, Because it's clear. If I was flying and I was in like a clear bubble, it'd be like being Wonder Woman. Okay, but um, wherever you look, there is a picture 
of Michael Ironside staring at you. Like, not staring at you, but everywhere you look. Like, you're never going to be able to look at a certain angle in the Pope movie. So, is it Michael Ironside without... from today's movie or like Rat Jack's Raiders uh, from uh, Star Trek? Various from throughout his life. Uh, okay, Batmobile. Okay, so if you have the Batmobile, uh. then. Um, you're going to have a constant crick in your neck because you're a lot oh, fuck taller that shit. than Michael. Okay. Fuck that shit. All right. All right. Yeah, okay. So this mine's pretty easy on this one. Okay, rest of your life. Yes. You have to eat like a normal human being. Wait, one second. What Everything would you, Amanda, what would you say? Batmobile or Popemobile? I would still go with the Batmobile. Yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Even with the crick in your neck? Yeah. <gasps> I get those anyway. Oh. <laughs> get a pillow. Get a, like a memory pillow. Yeah. Oh, those are great. Or the buckwheat pillows. Those work really well, too. They smell fun. Yeah, they do. The rice ones, they smell like you, they absorb funk from around. <laughs> yeah, I can't deal with that. It's like, the, you know. And they're really good for your salt, too. <laughs> your salt? You know, in restaurants, <laughs> right, rice with, and the salt. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yes. Okay. Okay, so this is real easy. Rest of your life, eat every meal, fork, spoon, knife. You only get one utensil oh. the rest of your life. One utensil. Fork, spoon, or knife. Ooh, fork, spoon, or knife. Um, fork. Okay, I think it's the best of both worlds. Really? You can't eat soup? You're never going to eat soup the rest of your life? Can you not pick up the bowl and just sip it? Yeah, that's true. What would you do? I would definitely do spoon. I eat everything with a spoon anyway. Yeah? It's like a shovel. It was a tie between me, fork, and spoon. Really? I was knife all the way. Well, how are you going to eat you soup? Spear things? You spe- spear things. You spear the soup? You know what I'd do? I'd cut off somebody's head and I'd ladle the soup into my mouth with their emptied skull. <laughs> is this like a knife butter? solves is all a, problems. Is this a butter knife or a knife? Knife can make other utensils. Mm-hmm. Nothing kills a wild mountain lion. <laughs> Nothing beats knife. Knife is the knife is the ace of spades of utensils. It is the it is the the trump. Like of rock paper scissors knife. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, as always, I've enjoyed spending some time with you. We hope you guys will spend some time with us again soon. Our next when, episode, preferably. Yes, probably when we will drink something and watch something else, and probably have Amanda around. Hey, thanks for listening. You didn't say it. You t- you didn't give me my cue. What's your cue? Like I wave my hand at you. you said okay. All right. So hey, everybody, we enjoyed spending some time with That's you, and we you hope s- you do it again, which I did. Yeah, but then you kept. Okay, uh, thank you for listening. <laughs> Don't remember this day for a thousand years, the day we protected Earth from the sun. <laughs> <laughs>